Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to the Buker and Friends podcast. Here is your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buker. Rick Buker. Welcome to another coronavirus episode of Buker and Friends, part of the United Wecast Network. I'm Rick Buker. You can see me on FS1. You can hear me on Fox Sports Radio. And you can read me, well... As I've said before, we hope to have an announcement on that coming soon. But you can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Rick Buecher. I'm a lot of places, but there's only one place you can hear me talking about story angles and perspectives that you are not likely to find anywhere else primarily, but not exclusively involving the NBA, and that's here. And I don't know whether this topic or not fits into the NBA space neatly. I think it's an overall sports issue, but... I tweeted out something this week about Nike and NBA players and their shoe deals. And it caught the attention of my business partner, the founder of the Sports PR Summit and the Sports Business Radio, the award-winning podcast, Brian Berger. And he is located in Portland, Oregon. He is very tied into sports business in general and uh, Nike and sports apparel in particular. So I thought it would be great to have him on the show. And he just notified me that this is the first time I've ever had him on the podcast, which is kind of embarrassing considering how we've known e- how long we've known each other. But better late than never, Brian, right? <laughs> That's right. Thanks so much for having me. And uh, yeah, better late than never. And this is a good topic for us to dig into. Yeah, I figured I I would butter you up a little bit since uh, I I hadn't had you on, and I would uh, I would give you your full uh, credentials uh, coming into the show. But uh, in all sincerity, uh, Brian is as plugged into what is going on on the sports business side of things as anybody. And the reason for this podcast is that I have heard from a variety of different places that. Nike is not renewing uh, near, the numbers that I got, and I didn't tweet them out because I, I wasn't able to confirm them, but I've heard that they had about 150 NBA players on some sort of shoe deal where they get gear and they get some sort of um, allotment of, of money, and that 70 of those 150 are not being renewed. And uh, as Brian noted to me when he first saw this, this is actually part uh, potentially of a greater strategy, a greater plan 
than uh, than just not renewing players because we're in the pandemic and we don't know when the next season is going to start and uh, the visibility of players is limited and people aren't getting out there and playing basketball because of some of the social distancing as they as they normally m- might. But Brian, you brought up that this actually might be part of a grander scheme when it comes to Nike and how they approach their business. Yeah, Nike's changing the way they do business. So, you know, if you go back to the beginning, uh, Phil Knight, Bill Bowerman founded the company, and one of their first athletes that they signed was a distance runner named Steve Prefontaine. And if you've read the book Shoe Dog by Phil Knight, the whole point at the beginning with Nike was sports marketing. So let's get our shoes and apparel on the greatest athletes in the world. And they're going to become human billboards and everyone's going to want to buy the shoes and, and wear the clothes. And, you know, you've seen with Michael Jordan and LeBron James and Tiger Woods and Serena Williams and some of the greatest athletes uh, of our lifetime have worn Nike product. Well, now they have a new CEO and his name is John Donahoe and he comes from eBay and e-commerce hmm. is the word of the day. And if you look at how Amazon does business and how eBay does business, where Domino came from, and um, just a lot of the companies that are getting rid of brick and mortar and selling things virtually now, yeah. that's really the emphasis for Nike going forward. So from the people I've spoken to, and, and a lot of my friends have been laid off from Nike in the last month, there's going to be no more let's go search the globe for the next LeBron James or the next great athlete. They used to do events. I I worked for Nike for a number of years as a consultant and helped them do their Nike All-America camp. And they brought the greatest basketball players together, high school basketball players. And really the point of that camp was two things. One, Hmm. let's find the next great endorser for Nike. And two, oh, by the way, we've got Coach K here and some of the greatest college basketball coaches. Let's make deals with them so we can get our apparel on their teams and their shoes on their teams. So, uh, but now, from everyone I have spoken with, that's going to go by the wayside. It doesn't mean that teams won't be wearing the gear still. It means you're not going to pay for it. So Nike's not going to pay millions of dollars for these schools to wear their product. And only the elite of the elite athletes are going to be paid. Others will get product, but they won't be paid like Jordan and LeBron and Kevin Durant and some of the others have been. So uh, connect the dots for us because going to e-commerce, and I think you're right that when you when you hire a CEO from eBay, that probably gives you an indication of where they're right. trying to go, right? Uh, but connect the dots between going to e-commerce and no longer mining for the next great player. I mean, does it does it mean that they're not going to cuz part of part of that that motivation and getting shoes on kids early uh it was simply because they wanted to indoctrinate them to Nike. They wanted them to f- like uh, fall in love with the brand so that if they did make it big, if they did make it to the NBA, then they would end up being uh, signing with them, and you would—that's how you would land the next Jordan or the next LeBron. Um, are, are they still going to be looking to sign 
the next big guy to have a signature shoe and be the face of a sport? No. Really? So here's the short answer. Yeah, they're not. And, and so think about it this way. You've got a daughter. She's mm. a great basketball player. I've got a daughter. Do they buy shoes or apparel because a Nike athlete is wearing them? So like my daughter plays soccer. Is yeah. she buying Nike apparel because Alex Morgan is wearing that apparel? The answer is no. She likes Nike. She likes the gear. She thinks it's cool. But Nike is betting that your daughter and my daughter and a lot of the young kids, they want to go online. They want to customize their shoe. They want to pick out their own colors. They might want to put their name on it or their school's logo. And then they'll be excited when the shoes show up two days later at their doorstep. You know they what? don't care about yeah. the fact that LeBron or Serena or Tiger is wearing that shoe. All they care about is, can I make my own shoe and have it arrive in 48 hours or so at my front doorstep? That fits with so many things that I either know or believe firsthand. And one of them is, and it's a general business principle that I'm sure you know because we've worked together and and I've said it in your company, if not directly to you, is that you need to be able to give... The consumer now is conditioned that they can get what they want when they want it. And they don't want to have to wait. It's why I, I you know, Sports Center, Scott Van Felt has has redeemed it to a certain extent, but for the most part, the reason ESPN Sports Center fell off is because nobody wanted to have to wait till eight o'clock or eleven o'clock to watch what somebody else decided should be the highlights of sports that day. They're like, no, I want to get it now. I think that's why podcasts have become as popular as they are. I don't want to have to wait or I don't have to have to dial in if I have if I want to listen to a show I want to I have to dial in at a certain time or have to be listening at a certain time I want to be able to consume it when I want to consume it so uh, that that's the first thing the second is that um, and I've had the same experience with my kids if my kids when it comes to basketball like neither one of them I'll just go with my daughter My, my daughter is not a LeBron fan her best friend is uh, but she she would never wear LeBron shoes for that reason. Now, would she wear someone else's shoe that she likes? Not necessarily. It matters how does it fit, how does it look. That that my son is a huge Damian Lillard fan. I don't know that he's ever worn Damian Lillard shoes. So right. they're right on when it comes when it ultimately comes to that, that that their kids are not buying shoes because a certain player is endorsing it. Uh, here's the question that I have, though, is I wonder how much of this is also because they were spending so much money, not only spending a lot of money searching for that next great face, that next great player, but we've seen Adidas executives go to jail as a result of that whole process of trying to connect, right? Trying to flood the market with their money and their product. And they're looking right. at it and going, not only is it not cost effective, but it's, it's, not, it's really it's counterproductive marketing wise because people are looking at us some kind of way. Yeah, I mean, here's a little secret that most people don't really know. In the history of basketball shoes or, or just tennis shoes, 
really, there's only a handful of athletes that have made the money back that was invested on them. So, like, Michael Jordan has more than made the money back that Nike originally invested. I would hope so. He's now, yeah, (laughs) he's a partner in the company now. So, it's the Jordan brand, and it's not a Nike company. It is a partnership with Michael Jordan. Tiger Woods was a great investment for Nike Mm. and for a number of years there. Not only did he sell a lot of shoes and clothes, but they made golf clubs and they made golf balls and he made Nike lots and lots of money. So that was a return on investment. LeBron has been great visibility for Nike and you can't really put a dollar figure on that. You know, every time he's in another commercial or he's in the next uh, Space Jam movie and he's got that swoosh on him. It's great visibility for Nike. But if you're just looking for, here's what we pay LeBron, and here's what he sold product-wise, it doesn't equal the money that Nike is putting into LeBron. So I think one of the things that Nike, Adidas, Under Armour are asking themselves, is our investment in this athlete worth the return that we're getting? And I think the answer in most cases is no. Hmm. Well, this is what I'm curious about when it comes to some of those big names. Uh, and this is somebody that we're both familiar with, and I already mentioned him, Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard, to me, has a brand. He has an image, and it is a, um, it is a great one. I, I, I often I stop and I think about the fact that he's in a small market. They have, he's never gone to the finals, and yet his presence is so strong and he's so admired in a variety of ways. I get where you would invest in a guy like that. I am having a harder time seeing what would be the byproduct. And let's put LeBron James aside, but let's say a James Harden. James Harden also hasn't been there. And I don't know that he has the same image that Damien that Damien has. I mean, there's there's a, there's a lot of warts to James's his image, and so I wonder about betting big on him. What what would be the? And he's not. It's not like he's in movies. He's not. He's not on LeBron's level of exposure. What would be the attraction there? How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I mean, I think it was just that he was a a shoe-free agent, and sometimes these companies want to keep an athlete away from the other companies. So, hey, we'll sign this athlete just 
know, because we want to we want to make sure they're not wearing the competitive brand. But look, I'm in Portland, as you know. Yeah. I love Dame. Dame has been on my show. He talked at length about his uh, partnership with Adidas. He can get in his car and drive 15 minutes to their headquarters, and he can sit down with designers, and yeah, they can come up with the coolest colors. And he really thinks about you know the kids when he's designing his shoes, so colorways and you know, things that kids are going to want to order, like we discussed earlier. What are our daughters going to want to get online, or your son, and, and order? He thinks about all of that. And yes, he does have a, a great reputation, but with that being said, you know, if you're Adidas and you're paying James Harden $300 million and you're paying you know, Dame close to that, are you going to see that money back? Yeah. And I think that's the decision that these companies are going to have to make. And because Nike has always led the way, if Nike's going to do away with sports marketing, I would expect that Adidas and Under Armour will follow. Yeah. And what does that mean? It means you might see some you know, smaller brands start to sprout up and you might see some athletes start some brands on their own. And will they ever be as big as Nike? No, they won't. But they'll have control over that. You know, what would happen if Dame Lillard just started his own shoe yeah. and, you know, did his own thing? And I know the balls tried to do that, but it wasn't very good. Wasn't a very good plan that they had. I don't know that they're a great model. I don't know that they're a great business model. I don't think that failed because the idea... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the idea wasn't uh, feasible. I'd say that uh, maybe putting a $495 tag on shoes that you can't deliver uh, on on time might have had a bigger uh, – and, and weren't very well made might have had more to do with that. Right. But – and I'm, I'm trying to look this up right now, but uh, Roger Federer. You know, he's got a deal with a small shoe company, and he's trying to help them grow that shoe company. And I'm sure that he's got, uh, you know, a stake right. in that company. So you might see more of those types of, of deals. But, you know, the days of Nike, Adidas, Under Armour paying big money to athletes to get them to be lifelong partners, and the days of them running these events all over the world in China and other places – to try and find that great, you know, next endorser. I think those are, are done. And it's kind of funny, right? Because, you know, COVID obviously has set up a lot of these things, right? Mm. So if you're a company like Nike, do you really need as many brick and mortar locations? And yeah. do you really need to pay the high price rents in, in some of these cities? Probably not. And if you're the CEO and you come from eBay, you're probably going to point everyone to do things digitally. The one thing that really doesn't make sense is I drive by the Nike campus and they just did a billion dollars in expansion. Yes. You've been into the Coach K building with me. We went in yep. there with, with Brian Grant. Yep. And, you know, those buildings look like spaceships and now they're going to be largely empty because they're getting rid of a lot of their workforce. So I don't understand, you know, why they made that investment if those buildings are going to sit empty. But, you know, I'm sure someone has the answer to that question. Yeah, well, I, or it was just, uh, it was bad timing because uh, right. I live, uh, you know, I live near Silicon Valley and Apple did the same expansion. Uh, there's a number of companies that did the same expansion and uh, and largely creating office space that now they're not sure they're ever going to go back and use. And it reminds me a little bit of uh, ESPN made the same uh, made a similar move when, again, speaking of Sports Center. Were they they 
spent $300 million on redoing the set, redoing the look of the set and uh, just a complete makeover. And then, and meanwhile, they're, you know, they're, they're laying off uh, employees left and right. And then they got rid of a lot of the anchors on SportsCenter because SportsCenter just wasn't, wasn't drawing the same attention. It became, they suddenly realized, oh, what I said that people can get their highlights and all of that. They can get it immediately on their phone. They're not going to wait to watch. And then advertisers got a, a, a feel for that. And so they're willing to pay for live program, programming advertising, but they're not going to pay the same dollar to be on SportsCenter as they once did. And so I, I just, I feel as if some of these companies, uh, and I and I wonder, and I don't know this, I'd have to talk to somebody in in the construction business, like how far in advance, because in many of these cases, certainly in the Bay Area, you have to get approval. You know, your plans for building have to be done years and years in advance in right. order to break ground. And I wonder if there's some of that going on too, that it's just, it's like turning a uh, a cruise ship and that you start, you know, going in, in one direction and then, you know, the seas may change or whatever, but you're like, hey, we can't go back. <laughs> We're, we, we already started this. We got to finish it. So I wonder if, if some of that is going on. I also wonder, uh, and I don't know how much shopping you do online, but I wonder if there's a human element to this too, because I've been thinking about this because I've probably shopped more online as a result of, of, of COVID than, than I ever did previously. But what's really been unique is I've done a lot of clothes shopping because I know that uh, if it doesn't fit or I don't like the color or it's different than I thought, I can just send it back. And the ability to send it back has become easy enough that I don't look at that as arduous enough that I don't want to go through it. And it also gives me the joy of I'm online and I'm, you know, I'm shopping and I'm looking at stuff and I'm doing it from the comfort of my couch and and so then I decide to buy something. So I get that little zing of pleasure when I when I complete the order and I know that it's on its way. And then I get the zing, I get a double zing because then when it shows up and I put it on and it's what I wanted and I think about the ease with which I was able to do that, like that's a far more enjoyable thing for me. I, I hate shopping and I really hate having to drive to a mall and schlep through the mall and stand in line and do all I just, I, I will not do that. Uh, or I, I only do it when it's necessary. I, do you, are, are you of the same mind? Have you had the same experience? Do you think, am, am I on to something here or am I just, this is too much of a, just my experience? No, you're definitely on to something for sure. And, and I think if you look at, you know, whether it's the uh, cyber Monday figures of the mm. last, five years, or you just look at e-commerce. I think Nike's up 82% this year with e-commerce. So, you know, if you look at their sales at brick and mortar way down, because a lot of those are closed during COVID, e-commerce way up. Well, Nike's not stupid. Where are you going to pivot to, right? You're, you're going to go where you're going up, and, and that's e-commerce. But yeah, I totally agree with you. I'd much rather sit in the comfort of my home and order something online and have it show up at my doorstep in you know, a couple of days, then get in my car and, and, you know, brave the crowds at the mall, yeah. even before COVID. Right. That just wasn't really my, 
I think, by the way, I want to go back really quick. Roger Federer, the shoe company is called On, hmm. and it's a Zurich-based footwear company, and he partnered with them, so he left Nike, and he's now doing his own shoe, and it's supposedly a really terrific shoe. I don't want to, like, turn this into a commercial, and I have no relationship with them, but I think you're going to see more of those things where Roger Federer, pretty iconic athlete, you know, says, I'm going to partner with a company who can do this well. I'll lend my name and likeness and, and I'll give them some design tips. But, um, you know, we're going to build this company together versus, oh, I'm going to go hope that I get money from Nike, Adidas or Under Armour, which, you know, if you've seen the movie Jeremy Maguire, which I know you have, you know, they always talk about your contract and the shoe endorsement deal yeah. and, you know, the other things that are going to come. Well, now, in large part, Unless you are an iconic athlete or unless you've already got an ironclad deal that Nike, Adidas, Under Armour can't get out of, that money's not there anymore. So agents are going to have to go to different places to find that money. Hmm. Um, you know, let's just use Zion as a, an example. Just a year ago, there was kind of a, a little bit of a, a bidding war for him. And he wound up going to Jordan brand. We're not going to see those anymore. And... From people I talked to at Nike as recently as last week, they're going back to even some of their most recent deals that they signed, and they're trying to get out of those deals. Hmm. So um, it's going to be an interesting landscape for the sports agents, too, and the sports marketing companies, because that's always been kind of one of the pillars that when sure. you get an athlete, hey, we're going to go get you that shoe deal. That's going to be yeah. one of the foundational deals of your portfolio not going to be there anymore. Well, not only that, but that's where agents have made the majority of their money because at this point, right. especially when it comes to the NBA, the 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 contracts are kind of locked in. You know what a max contract is, you know what a mid-level is, you know what the rookie salary scale is. So, a lot of agents have not been getting a, a, some are not getting a percentage at all. What they're getting is the right to do their marketing, uh, to do a player's marketing. And then they're able to take a piece of that because they're actually having to go out and negotiate a contract and players have been willing to pay them on that. This is what I wonder. Uh, and don't let me forget, because I have a great idea. I already have a great idea for Damian Lillard's shoe. Is um, what's the possibility that we not only see shoe deals go away, but endorsements across the board where, uh, you know, Sprite's going to look at it and, and, and take a different view or McDonald's or whatever. Because this has always been the thing for me in advertising, and you mentioned it, which is how do you really quantify if an endorser is making you back the money that you're paying them? And even with LeBron's exposure... Um, the fact that he's so polarizing and we, I, we talked about this on FS1, which is why it's top of mind. Like I can't help, but connect the terrible NBA finals ratings in some part to whether it's LeBron fatigue or it's fatigue with divisiveness and polarization in the country. And LeBron embodies that whether you like him or you hate him. The fact is you like him or you hate him. And there's a constant like, battle over that the people just they don't they that's not what they want at this point they want an escape from all that so i wonder whether that's going to that's this is going to bleed into other 
areas where the endorsement game for athletes is no longer going to be there. Yeah, I think what we've seen in the last five years especially is the the prominent athletes, at least, and even some of the, the smaller ones, they're taking equity. So if you look at – I'm going to give you a great example. I think we've talked about this. Andre Iguodala. Okay, so I go to his Bloomberg Tech Summit every year. They didn't have it this year because of COVID. But you know, you go in the room, and he has brought people together from the tech space and from sports. And it's an elite room. The tech people are, are billionaires from Silicon Valley. Well, guess what? Andre Iguodala has a VC partner, and he gets pitched deals all the time. So it's almost like being on Shark Tank, right? You're mm-hmm. you're a VC, people are pitching you deals. Well, a couple of years ago, a company called Zoom <laughs> pitched Andre Iguodala and his business partner, Rudy Klein Thomas, on Zoom. They became founding investors in Zoom. I am telling you right now that Andre Iguodala has played, what, 15 years now? Yeah, there? something like that. He's made some pretty good money. He's not LeBron money, but he's made good money. That money is a drop in the bucket. Compared to what he's made off of Zoom. the Zoom deal. Yeah. So more and more, these athletes, even Jalen Brown, who was at the event, he's 23 years old, he went to Cal, he's really sharp. He's an investor, and he's being pulled into these deals. So he's much more interested in pull me into a deal where I can be an equity partner and help grow the company than paying $100,000 for promoting Coke in Boston for the year. Or yeah. for two years. So the athletes becoming more and more savvy. They're looking for equity deals. The upside is much greater. You know, as Andre said on my show, usually if you can go three for 10 on yeah. those deals, you're, yep. you're doing pretty well. Well, if you have a Zoom deal in your portfolio, you can fail at almost all the others yep. and still be smiling at the end of the day. So, I think it's going to be harder and harder for companies who aren't coming with equity in the palm of their hand to work with an athlete to make a deal. And then the other thing, Rick, you know this, is that all these athletes are becoming their own media entities. I mean, you saw this week Steph Curry launched a new interview series, and he had Dr. Fauci on, and he's had some people from the non-sports world on. Steph Curry doesn't need to go to ESPN or to Fox or to anyone to make a deal. He can make his own deal, build his own platforms, and he'd rather invest in that. J.J. Reddick took his podcast off of The Ringer and Yahoo previously. He's now got the old man and the three brand. It's his own brand. He owns it. He controls it. He doesn't answer to anyone. Mm -hmm. So the athletes are becoming much more business savvy. I think the days of here's a check, be in this commercial, smile, and, and sell McDonald's those days are pretty much over. Yeah. Yeah, no, that is a that is an interesting place. And I also just wonder if some of the reason that the endorsement game doesn't work quite the same way is that we also there's an oversaturation. That the exposure makes it really difficult. I think Steph Curry has has managed to navigate it well. I think Damian has I would say LeBron hasn't, James Harden hasn't, Russ Westbrook hasn't. Like, but but because there's so much exposure, it's it's really easy for people to either become fatigued by you or for warts to be exposed 
that uh, that are not going to look good in the endorsement game. I, I just I, I think that's you know our social media has created this where it's really hard to maintain a pristine image, and it's why like Jordan and Kobe, in part, I think those brands will last a long time because they did they weren't subjected to that, and I don't know if they would be. You know, I, Jordan Jordan's image was is so. Uh, it was just so consistent that maybe he, he he might have in in this day and age. But I don't I don't know too many people that I think it's a gamble. I think plenty are going to go down. As many are going to stay up. Yeah, I agree. And and you know, Jordan is synonymous with excellence. And also, you know, I watched the Apple and ruthlessness online where they yeah right. So Apple this week, you know, they, they roll out the, the iPhone 12. They have the big virtual event. It was like happening. It was a cool factor. Nike used to have that when they would roll out the Jordan shoes. They don't really have that with their other products anymore. You know, there's not the buzz about yep. the next great Nike product coming out. And I think it's because, you know, really since Jordan and even maybe Tiger, there is just a lot of noise that's out there. And again, you know, in business, you have to look five, ten years ahead. So Mark Cuban was just on my show with me, as you know, and you know, he's a guy that's a visionary. He's not looking at what's happening now. He's looking at what's happening two, five, ten, twenty years from now. Mm-hmm. And if you're these big companies like Nike, you're looking at our kids are the consumer of the future, not us. Right. It's our kids. Right. And that's who they're building their business around right now. Their habits are very different than ours. They're very much into on-demand, like you said earlier. They're not going to go shopping at the mall. They want to order it on their phone and have it at their doorstep in two days. Right. It's just very different habits. So I think you're going to start to see a lot of these companies in sports change how they do business to attract the consumer of the future. Now, I also see te- uh, companies like Nike and Adidas and sportswear companies trying to move into lifestyle gear. And so I wonder along those lines, are we going to see some of that money shift from athletes to celebrities? Because we've already seen some of that. Uh, Kanye West has a shoe. Uh Pharrell, uh, the, the, the singer-songwriter, uh, endorses uh, Adidas. I mean, we've, we've, we've seen some of that branching out. Do you think that it shifts or do you think it goes away? I think it's a little of both. I mean, you know, yeah, you've seen those, those influencers and people who have huge social media followings and, and things like that. But again, you know, if John Donahoe from Nike doesn't strike me as the type of guy that's going to be impressed by an influencer, Justin Bieber or whoever, hmm. um, I think he would probably say, why are we making this investment? And are we going to come anywhere close to getting our return on investment because we're using this influencer? And if the answer is no, then let's just do things to target the kids. I mean, what are they doing on TikTok? What are they doing on Instagram? How are they allowing people to customize the product? And by the way, um, Nike is moving away from categories, Rick. So there's no more basketball, football, golf, tennis, Mm. track and field, which it was founded on. It is now men's, women's, kids. Yep. That's what it is. Yeah. So that's a huge change. You know, again, if you read Shoe Dog, 
Snakey was founded on track and field because that was the background of Phil Knight and Bill Bowerman. So Prefontaine first athlete, but then tennis came along. Hey, let's go get John McEnroe. And I feel like we're watching the soul of Nike's company sucked out of it. If you walk on the Nike campus, which I know you have, you know, you walk through and all over the campus, they've got, it's almost like a little mini hall of fame. Oh, it's a shrine. It's a shrine to great athletes. Right. And it's got like their, their Nike story. Here's one they signed. Here's the sport they played, Mm -hmm. you know, and some athletes have buildings, but those stories are iconic there at Nike. And, the athletes were always the the at the foundation of what Nike was, yeah. and now that's not going to be the case. So it's going to be very different with with what we see in the future. So you know, it leads me back full circle. These calls I've gotten in the last few weeks; these are mostly sports marketing people that have built relationships with athletes and have followed them around the world. Some of your favorite NBA players made sure they had all the right shoes and that. The latest shoe was on their foot for the biggest game, like the NBA Finals. Those people are all being let go. Hmm. So what does it tell you? It tells you, okay, we have some consultants that we can turn to if we really need someone to to leverage a relationship, but we're not going to be working with athletes like we have in the past. So we're, we're getting rid of the sports marketing people. Very interesting. All right. So I want to wrap up with this. I want to give you my idea for Damian Lillard's shoe. If he decided to create his own brand is obviously he's from Oakland. He needs to do a, he needs to partner with the people that created Black Panther. He needs to have a Wakanda shoe. He is from Oakland. It branches uh, into mainstream, beyond sport. Uh, it connects him with his hometown. There's only one guy that really embodies that. He almost even kind of looks like the Black Panther um, in, in in my mind. And, uh, and then he could do the same thing in terms of not turning his back on the Portland market and being part of that. But he could do something associated with a throwback to, and I don't even know if Nike still owns kind of the street, uh, the Steve Prefontaine image, but I just, uh, to me, that's where Lillard could really create his own brand is to connect to uh, a, a social phenomenon that I look at the movie Black Panther and the whole concept of Wakanda being uh, I just I, I think that dovetails perfectly. I don't know what the legal uh, the legalese that they'd have to go through to make it happen, but uh, what do you think? Should I pitch it? Uh, should I pitch it to Dame and should I try to get us in or as a as an early investor? <laughs> I mean, look, Dame has shoes that have everything from like SpongeBob shoes right. to he's had Portland Airport is known for their weird carpet. So right. he's had like Portland airport carpet shoes. So, yeah, that, that, I, so I can tell you right now, that box. wasn't a good idea. <laughs> I've spent enough time so walking people, across that carpet going, when are they going to change this? See, but the people in Portland are weird. So they like that kind of stuff. And those shoes sold out like instantly here in, in, in Portland. In, so, good, I'm glad you qualified that in Portland. I guarantee you that was not a Portland. national bestseller. Yeah, I didn't buy them. But... <laughs> no, but I think you're right. It could work because he's an outside-the-box thinker. He's open to ideas. 
you know, he's a fun guy. Uh, he's going to be in the movie Space Jam, so he's going to get some more exposure outside of basketball via that movie. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it could work. And I think eventually, like I said, that's what you're going to see happen is when those big deals go away, the Adidas, Nike, Under Armour yeah. deals. Like, I would fully expect that, you know, I don't know that you're going to see Tom Brady and, and Steph Curry at Under Armour. And uh, do they go start their own thing? Like Tom Brady has TB12. Does he do shoes under the TB12 line? Does Steph do everything under, you know, his name and his brand? And, and I think that's the way of the future. And, and athletes are going to start taking more ownership of what they do. But I do like the fact that, you know, like you said, you could partner with a Black Panther and, and Disney and do a, a shoe that I think would resonate with uh, basketball fans and non-basketball fans. I yeah I hope I said that he if he left Adidas I might have said if he leaves Nike just because Nike was top of mind in our conversation but all right so uh, as we get ready to wrap it up I do wonder the the so if this goes towards athletes having to create their own entities it's it's kind of the same thing though when it comes to their investment and the money that they are investing. It's one thing for Iguodala to find a Zoom and invest in that. It's another thing when you're the athlete and you basically say, I'm betting on myself to create this shoe or to create this thing that's that closely connected to me. I could see that's a lot like that. That could become like athletes opening up restaurants. You know, it, it's like, I want to have my name out there. I want to do this thing. It's part of the next cool thing. It's, uh, you know, we don't have signature shoes with, with, with Nike or Adidas anymore. So if I'm going to be this, this high profile, I gotta, I gotta create my own shoe and my own shoe company. And it's, it's going to be sink or swim. I mean, I, I, I see that as a, yeah, that may be the direction they go. But I could see a lot of guys failing like like the big baller brand and it end up costing money out of their pockets in a way that's different than if they end up, you know, their Nike deal ends up not being profitable. Yeah, I think it all comes down to having good people around you, right? Yeah. So like I said, uh, Andre's got a guy named Rudy Klein Thomas who's very savvy at this. And now you know, in the position they sit in, they're only being brought the, the cream of the crop deals, right? Mm -hmm. Like they're, they're not having to listen to the pitches on things that they're not interested in. So I think athletes have to get educated on, you know, the business world and landscape. You have to partner with the right people. And then, you know, some athletes are making so much money now, they really don't need to do anything. Just, you know, give your money to a good financial advisor and, and, do low risk things and, and, you know, save your money. But for the athletes that want to play in the sandbox of business and, and let's face it, a lot of them do because they know that the career span is short and that you're, you know, they're usually retired in their forties and they have the rest of their life in front of them and they want to build something during their playing career. So they have something to pivot to when they're retired. You just have to surround yourself with the right people. And, you know, we've seen the, the stories of athletes who have not done that and who have not managed their money well and trusted the wrong people and where that's gotten them. But, you know, there's also the LeBrons and Michael Jordans and Roger Federer's and Andre Iguodala's of the world who have done really well. Well said. All right, we will wrap it on that. 
thank you, Brian, for joining us. Where can people hear Sports Business Radio? Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com or you can find our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, or anywhere that you find podcasts. And I'm on Twitter at SB Radio in between shows. And thanks for having me on. This was fun. Pleasure to do it. Absolutely. Uh, in the next podcast, uh, I promised this in the previous podcast, but this was an emergency call, so we we, we sandwiched it in. Uh, Spencer Haywood, the Hall of Famer, very controversial career. He has a new book out. He and I talked at length. He has a particular dream of having the Spencer Haywood rule in the NBA. We talk a lot about that and how he hopes to get it done. Listen, please rate and review the show wherever you uh, get your podcast, iTunes, or wherever. Our sponsors appreciate that. We appreciate it. We'd love the feedback. In the meantime, as always, thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.